Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Nancy Marmolejo. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Henry. I'm happy to be here. We're glad to have you. Uh, Nancy is an entrepreneur, coach, speaker, and trainer. Uh, Her core message is that everyone has unique talent and genius in them that is the fuel cell for their success. She's currently writing a book on the cultivation of daily habits that help driven people stay more focused, happy, and on point. Uh, She describes herself as a teacher at heart, and she helps entrepreneurs, executives, founders, and thought leaders who want to create a greater level of impact, legacy, and contribution in their life. Nancy is the founder of talentandgenius.com and the host of the podcast podcast show, rather, Itenko. Did I pronounce that right? Itenko, right? Mm-hmm. Itenko, Lessons for the Leading Edge. Uh, that show has been in the top three of iTunes and has made a mark as a space for thought leadership. Great show. If you haven't listened to that, highly recommend it. So in this episode, Nancy's going to share with us her entrepreneurial journey, how she got to where she is today. And then we're going to dive into this whole concept of our unique talents and gifts, how that's in us innately, how we how we cultivate and develop that. And uh, what does it mean for our business? How do we translate that into helping us start and grow our small business? Nancy lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her family. So once again, Nancy Marmolejo, welcome to the show. Thank you, Henry. I'm really happy to be here. Glad to have you here. Um, so you're in the Bay Area, and uh, were you always in the Bay Area, or did I read you? Did you grow up there, or where did you grow up? Yes, I'm here in uh, Dub Nation, Raider Nation, Oakland A's territory. <laughs> now, wait, you're about to. Then I understand we're about to lose the Raiders to Vegas, or is that just we're not, talk? We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not talking we about that. We can't talk about that. Okay. <laughs> Sore subject. I should have known that. <laughs> One of my best friends and and former business partner is a lifelong Raiders fan, so I understand completely. But anyway, so did you grow up in that area? Yes, I grew up in the East Bay. Um, My mom was born and raised in Oakland. Um, My parents lived in San Francisco at the beginning of their marriage, so I'm a Bay Area native. Wonderful, wonderful. All right, well, let's let's start at at, uh, the beginning where I usually start, understanding where you came from. uh, But usually, I start at the university level. You you attended university where? In San Francisco, I went to San Francisco State, and I did not study business. I well, actually, if if I can back up a tiny bit before that, I I grew up in a family business, and so that's that was my business training. But when I went to school, I I actually studied education, and I was a teacher for about fifteen years. Wow. Okay. So growing up around a business that didn't give you the desire to do that. It did. Um, and it's interesting how it all worked out. You know, my, my dad grew up on a farm. And so, and my mom, both of my parents had huge, they came from huge families, this big Mexican family on my mom's side, this big German family on my dad's side. And I'm the youngest of six kids. So they kind of kept that tradition, have a bunch of kids, put them to work. <laughs> and, 
my dad had his own business. Um, he had a flea market in Hayward, California, and it was sort of a an interesting uh, entrepreneurial journey. You know, it was kind of like before eBay, we had the flea market. Everybody can come down there and become an entrepreneur for the weekend. Right. And uh, I was 14 years old and it's like, all right, you know, your weekends are over. You're coming to work. So I was working down there in the snack bar and it was hysterical because, you know, it was just like working with the public in heavy doses and on your feet, you know, on the job, learning customer service and, um, there was a beer bar at the flea market, so at a very young age, I learned how to 86 drunks, and I mean, it was really, <laughs> it was quite something, um, but I really credit that for helping me understand, um, you know, everybody in this world, we come in all our different sizes and flavors, and um, I even had a little insight into what personal branding was all about when I, mm. when I was working at the flea market. I can, I can touch on that later, but um I, I just I, I I was thinking about going into my own business, but I also just wanted to not have to worry about that for a while. So I went to college, I became a teacher. I liked the idea of having summers off, you know, and that was good for a while. And, and that that held me over for for a yeah. good decade or so. Yeah, definitely incredible environment there. That the takeaways are significant, but you, you'd learn. I have to think so much about just the basics of people and personalities and how to how to sell and how to negotiate and all those kind of basic rudimentary life skills. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean it was, and I'd watch my dad closely and he was just a master salesman, master people person. He had a very gregarious personality. Everybody loved him. He was, he was, he was a great guy. You know, he was the kind of person who if somebody was down and out, um, he'd find he'd make up a job for them. He's like, you know what? I got some cardboard in the back. It needs clearing. I need somebody to do that. Can I pay you for a day? And and so he was just a very generous man, and he really understood. And I think the flea market brought this out. We had folks who were um, – sometimes people were on top of the world, and sometimes they weren't, mm -hmm. you know, the ups and downs of life. And he was always a person who could create a job to help somebody in a time of need and let them earn their keep in a really dignified way. Yeah, so he was highly successful in his life in that regard. Definitely, definitely. And I, 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 I definitely see him as a role model. And between my siblings and myself, we've all been brought up with this, not only a work ethic, but also the ethic of giving back and compassion. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's something that's really needed in business, especially today. Yeah, no, no doubt. All right, so then the master's in, in 2000, was that uh, during your teaching career, before? Give me the time frame of that. It was in, it was in the middle of it. Okay. So I, I had been a teacher for a number of years and then decided to get a master's degree in multicultural education. And what was fascinating for me when I was in education, I always worked with the students who were mostly at risk. And I was always trying to find ways to reach the kids who weren't being reached. So I studied ways of creating curriculum that really spoke to them and spoke to their story and spoke to who they were because I, I wanted them to stay in school. I wanted them to graduate. I wanted them to go to college. And for a lot of them, they would just tune out um, if the curriculum wasn't relevant or if something, you know, there's always a reason a kid finds to want to, you know, object to something. So I was always trying to find like, what are different ways I can bring people in to connect? How do we make them connect? And that um, translates, you know, into business as well. Like this whole feeling of belonging and feeling of connection is so important. Yeah. 
So if I got it right, your your master's thesis was on the study of poetry by indigenous contemporary poets. So did I get that right or something <laughs> yeah. along those lines? That's true. That's true. Yeah. It's been a while since somebody has um, has asked me about that. So I love <laughs> that you, you do thorough homework. So that, that just was part of this whole interest you had, obviously, in culture and your culture in particular. And as you said, how you could apply that in the classroom and now in business in connecting with people at a different level. Right, right. Um, things need to be relevant. People are looking for things that mean something to them. I just completed a course uh, around brain science and what are the basic needs that we have and um, how does our body respond? You know, we have these chemicals that um, emit in our brains after we uh, experience something good, something positive. And so when we have connection with other people and when things are made relevant to us, it has an all-over effect on a person's happiness, on a person's focus, and, you know, their, their overall productivity. So I'm trying to find these different ways to... Um, to bring that sense of connection in so that people are engaged and they're not tuning out and they're, they're part of the solution. Yeah. So you started Talents and Genius around 2003. Was that your first business venture? So it's evolved. Um, it's, it's been, I started a coaching business in 2003. Okay. So here's what happens. I was a f teacher for 15 years. That was great. And then my daughter was born and I just, did not want to go back to work. I said, I, I need to figure something out where I can be home with her. And because of my years, I was a teacher. I was also a teacher trainer. I was a literacy coach. And I had been through a lot of training around conflict resolution, facilitation, um, and plus just my natural nature of wanting to be uh, compassionate and empathetic and connecting with people. I started a coaching business in 2003. And the, the first uh, name of it was different than Talent and Genius, but it's, it's always kept the same um, spirit. And that is to look at people as the carriers of great gifts. Everyone has these unique strengths. How do we draw those out? How do I reflect that back to people so they can see it, they can own it, and they can go out and do something with it? Mm -hmm. So in the classroom, that was about letting a kid see that, you know what, you are valuable, you are smart, you have a contribution to this world, let's help you get that. And in business, you are valuable, you are smart, you have a contribution for this world, let's get that out there. Mm -hmm. So there's been a consistent thread that's run through my career for, for all these years. Who were your clients initially for your coaching? You know, initially I wanted to be a, I didn't, I mean, I knew nothing about a coaching business and I just was thinking, what can I do that was an extension of me being a teacher? And I called myself a creativity coach, which I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> <laughs> it sounded good. And, uh, so I, I started what I called a creativity coaching business and I do workshops on creative you know, how to spark your creativity and all these different things. And I, I ended up getting speaking engagements. And the people who were the most interested were entrepreneurs. Interesting. Um, yeah, a lot of women entrepreneurs, a lot of women who were just starting up a business. And there was this thing around creativity. They just loved it because as an entrepreneur, we have so many ideas. And 
they didn't know what to do with them. And I, I kind of went from creativity coaching into um, idea management is what I called it after a while. Yeah. People would get so many ideas. It's like, gosh, I have 100 ideas. It's like, well, you know what? You can't, you can't take action on all 100. So let's find a way to pick the top three that have the most meaning for you, that are going to be profitable for you, have the most impact, and you'll love doing it. Yeah, we, we talk about creativity a lot on this show from a diff- couple different perspectives. The perspective you just mentioned, which is the whole ideation process of how do I pick an idea? How do I develop an idea? But also the flip side of it, which certainly has a lot to do with and I can see how it progressed and evolved to what you're doing now, is the fear of putting our ideas out there, the fear of expressing our creativity because it's such a personal thing and nobody wants to be rejected. And so I'm, I'm sure you deal with that as well, but I can see where that was entrepreneurs that responded to it because creating a business, starting a business is a creative process in my opinion. It definitely is. It's an art. It's our art. If I, if we were musicians, we'd stay up all night playing music, but we're entrepreneurs. We stay up all night thinking of great business ideas or, you know, new funnels and systems and offers. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, there's a charge that I get and that my clients get, and you probably get too from the business related ideas. It's, I, I look at it as a real source of creative action. Yeah, so absolutely. yes. And like with a musician, when we put that out there into the world, it's very personal and so we can take it very personal and it can hold us back from putting it out there because we're afraid of that judgment. That is true. I found out in a lot of people early on when I started working with entrepreneurs and I started doing these creative um, you know, exercises with people and there would be that fear. And there were a couple other things besides fear because a lot of the people that I work with are consultants, are coaches, um, speakers. Their expertise is their product. And so when a person steps out there with their expertise, not only can there be fear, like, oh, what if somebody says, you know, I'm an idiot, but who am I to come out and say that? You know, there are 10 million people who know more than I do. You know, I'm just this low rung on the the ladder. Um, You know, this other person has more authority. They have more experience. They have, they went to a better school. They have a better website. You know, there's all these reasons people would come up with to discount their genius. And so a lot of my work is what's embedded in my work is getting a person to really own that. So those fearful thoughts and those fraudulent thoughts are erased and you have a real connection to what your real message is, what that meaning and purpose is that you're supposed to get out there and and how to really um, build a business around that. Yeah, I love that. Couldn't agree with it more and we'll dive into that in a moment. Uh, so then earlier this year, you launched the podcast, Itenko. So tell me about that. What drove you to starting a podcast show? I had started a podcast, unbelievably so, in 2005. I used to have a podcast. Um, I know. I was a, I was like an old timer. And this was like and recorded on the phone. It was really, it was, it was pretty... Um, pretty homegrown, but it was there. There weren't, you know, some podcasting was brand new and I've always been an early adopter. I find out about something new and can't wait to, to try it out. 
And I, I gave that up, you know, other things, you know, raising a child and, you know, running a business and, you know, volunteering at school and all that stuff. You know, I had, I had plenty on my plate. And then a year ago, I decided I wanted to get back into podcasting. And I really thought long and hard, what is it that I want to be speaking to people about? And uh, this whole concept of lessons for the leading edge has, has come out. Uh, it talks about leadership. It talks about who we are in our businesses. It talks about how can we push ourselves out of our comfort zones so that way we can innovate and we can create. So it's really looking at the the tools that we need to be the big picture thinkers, to be the the visionaries, and to take the daring risks of putting new ideas out there, getting our expertise out into the world. And so that's been going since January of 2016, and it's it's been a real, it's just been a, a great experience. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great show. I encourage everybody to listen to it. So the book, you're in the process of writing a book. Tell us about that and where you're at with that. The book should be out in the spring of 2017. It's called Chill, and it's a book about um, habits and practices that people can uh, can utilize, mostly uh, pretty driven people, so that they can stay more focused, more happy, more creative, uh, and in their in their own space of power. I, I realize I don't think anybody needs another how-to book on marketing or a how-to book on anything technical. The best advice I can give people are the daily practices that I put into place and the daily practices that I know work that keep a person's mind clear, fresh, positive, and uh, receptive to great ideas. Yeah, good stuff. So you've got the business, the coaching business and consulting. You've got the podcast now writing a book. Tell me about the creative process of writing a book, how you've been doing it, how do you have found the discipline to do it, and, and what your process is. Oh, I wish I could answer that with some really great answer. No, um, but I'm looking for it because <laughs> everybody's different, right? And I think the, the takeaway that I'm looking for is that there is no one way to do it, just like there is no one way to create anything, right? I have a great book that I would love to recommend. It's called Writing the Damn Book by Stacey <laughs> Nelson. <laughs> I have not read it, but I've seen it and been referred to it before. You know, what's so amazing is I'm uh, connected with her on Facebook, and she had put something out there saying, you know, hey, this book, she was promoting it. I guess it was just launched, and, and I downloaded it. And I forgot to read it. I downloaded it as a Kindle, and I never read Kindle books. And... Uh, one day I just happened to see, oh, look at I have Kindle books. I, I wonder what they are. And I found writing the damn book and I sat and I read it and I loved it because she was speaking to me in that book. Give yourself 15 minutes to write. If you know, I used to block out two, three hours, say, I'm going to do all this writing. And 15 minutes into it, I'd be like wanting to do something else, but then I'd feel really bad and I'd force myself to write. And then I hated what I wrote. So I started following her advice and she said, write the book for you. Don't, don't get so caught up on the market research and all of that. Write the book that you need. And at the minute I gave myself permission to write the book for me and to um, just write in 15 minute increments, next thing I know I started just writing and writing and writing. So I'm formulating it in the, in the style, right now the way it is is that it's like a 30 day 
challenge. You read, um, read one of these every day for 30 days and create a daily habit of training your mind and uh, your spirit to look for positive things, to, to look for things to appreciate, to, to check in with yourself in various ways. And, and I swear, after I read her book, I just sat down and I couldn't stop writing. So I think a good, um, the best the best writing advice I can give for anybody is give yourself permission to write the book that you want to write and don't follow somebody else's structure if it makes you feel like you're doing something wrong every time you veer from it. Yeah, great stuff. Great insight. Great advice. Love that. All right, let's uh, let's start diving into a little bit more the whole talent and genius thing. I guess I'd like to start with defining the two and what's the difference between talent and genius in your opinion. In my opinion, uh, I'll start with genius. I look at genius as being these innate strengths that we have, these innate skills. You do not have to learn them. You don't have to go to school for them. It's just part of the package of who you are. So you probably have things about you, Henry, where you just realize you've, you've always been this way. Your mind has always worked a certain way. You've just, whether it's a personality trait or a mental trait or a cognitive trait, um, an ability, it just, it's this there naturally, you know. Um, so that's the genius part. We It's stuff that we're great at that we really don't have to work at. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like our Bo, it's our Bo Jackson skill set. You just, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to practice. It's like you're just great. And then the talent part are the things that we have learned. It's more related to the, the formal training, the education, the, um, you know, all of the external learning that we've done. And so the intersection of talent and genius is when we're looking at these innate traits, these innate strengths, and these things that we've learned and that we're great at, and finding that intersection. And and making sure that, you know, the intersection has this element that, you know, you love doing it and it, and it serves others. There are a lot of things that we um, learn how to do and we're really great at, but we don't, we don't love it. So you can leave those to the side. That wouldn't count as part of the talent genius. There's, there's got to be things, you know, you're great at it. You love doing it. You know that there's a purpose attached to it. Um, and it doesn't feel like work. It, it, just, it just feels like fun. And, and talent and genius are always interrelated. In other words, my talents, my true talents that I develop, those skills, abilities, whatever, are related to and, and at the core of them are my innate genius in that same area or ability? Think, yeah, and, and, and sometimes I divide it up and I tell people, you know, it's like hard skills and soft skills if, if we need to look at it that way. Um, you know, the talent is more of the tangible things that you can say, this is what I do. And the genius, um, you know, it's this is how I do it. This is who I am when I'm doing it. This is the unique spin I have when I'm doing it. And that's where, like you had said earlier, we got to draw those out. We need to learn what those are and draw those out. For some of us, it's it's more obvious than others, I suppose. What's interesting is that we can't see them in ourselves a lot of the time. We, I can, I can ask you, okay, you know, Henry, tell me, tell me what are your five greatest strengths. But then I can go and ask somebody else, maybe one of your clients or somebody who knows you really well, tell me Henry's greatest strengths. And they're going to tell something, they're going to notice things about you that might be a little bit different. Uh, when I work with a client, I will, uh, find things out. I, I, I collect a lot of information. I connect the dots and I reflect it back to people. I said, did you know you have this 
recurring theme, this recurring pattern, this metaphor that keeps popping up over and over again. And they'll say, oh, really? Oh, I, I never really thought much of that because it was just, you know, it's just always been there. So we don't value things that are really common to us that we're used to. It doesn't feel like that it has that big of a wow factor. But as soon as you pose it to somebody who doesn't possess that same trait, it's it it puts it all into perspective. Yeah. All right. A quote I think that applies here that I found uh, from your content online is, quote, everyone has genius inside of them. When you see it in yourself, you'll start to see it in others. That's when true change happens, end quote. So I think there's a lot in that, those few sentences there. Um, and we just touched on seeing it in yourself and then you start to see it in others. Why is that the case? Why does it work that way? Oh, I love that part. Thank you for thank you for finding that quote and and sharing that. The piece about seeing it in others is that over the last fifteen years or so that I've I've been in the coaching world, I've also seen that people can get a little bit too self centered in their focus. It's like, oh, I want to find out about my genius and my genius. And my genius. It's like, you know, it's not a one-way street because when I can, when I, I understand certain things about myself, but when you start to look at other people and you see what their genius is, that's where the real synergy starts to happen. That's where you can create um, collaboration and an, and an ecosystem of genius and, and collaboration. So you see it in yourself, and yes, you honor it, but then you also know that that person across from you is equally as important with their genius, and it's probably different than yours. Find where it's similar, find where it's different, and and use that to draw the best in each other. And so that goes back to that connecting with someone at that level, and also finding ourselves. If, if we seek to understand someone else, then it helps us understand ourselves. Yes, and especially with teams. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I, um, whether, you know, small businesses can, can have, it could be a solo entrepreneur who has some contractors working for them or some, a few employees, however that works out. We really have to understand the, uh, the genius of the people around us because we, we can tend to, as entrepreneurs, take a w way too much on, put too much on our plate try to do it all ourselves. And so it's just a really smart work habit to be able to identify your strengths and the strengths of people around you and make sure everybody's working in their genius. Right. And then just from a compassionate and empathic part, it's really just honoring that each person really holds genius in them. And, and we need to respect people for that. It, it might not be the same genius that you have, but without that person, boy, if something broke and they're the only ones who know how to fix it, we're in trouble. So it's really important that we just have that um, appreciation for what everybody brings to the table and the ability to deploy people's strengths and genius into the into the right spots yeah so so applicable to a small business owner and that's what then makes a leader is people who look for genius in others and help others discover and apply and leverage their genius very true very so true the part about that's when true change happens what, what are we talking about that are we, there are we talking about change in ourselves change in others both what, what do you mean there 
I think it happens on multiple levels. Yes, it happens in yourself because when you're able to honor the genius in yourself, there's a, an appreciation for yourself. When you're able to honor the genius in someone else, that's a very humbling act, and it um, it neutralizes the ego that can that can step in and and create problems. And then also from an organizational point of view, when there's this mutual respect, mutual understanding, and the the right placement of, of people doing the things they love and being in the right positions, I, I see that as just such a positive effect in any size business. So can you share with us some tips on that you often work with your clients on and helping them, helping someone discover their genius? Oh, yes. So um, a couple of things that I'll do is I ask questions um, I start asking people, you know, tell me what are your values? You know, what are the top five values you have in your life? And I, you know, want to find that information out from people because there's something about understanding a person's values that's really powerful and helps them to, you, you have an understanding of, of where that person's coming from, what's important to them. So just give me, can you give me an example when you mean, when you say value, give me a specific example so I make sure I'm on the same page with you. Oh, okay, sure. Um, values would be things that, you know, without them, uh, you'd, Okay, so freedom is a value. Okay. Okay, so freedom, you know, I most entrepreneurs really value freedom. So right. we want to create freedom-based businesses. Mm -hmm. So everything that we create in our businesses is going to be around freedom. So I'm an online um, entrepreneur so that I have time freedom that I can, you know, I raised my daughter as a single mom. I mean, I want to just make sure that that, that works for me. Um, you can hear when I'm talking that, um, connection and community are very important to me. Those are very high values. It's important to me that people feel connected and feel um, uh, in community with one another. Those are that's another example of a value. Some people beauty is a value, and and if something is not done in a beautiful way, it it's like nails on the chalkboard. It's not right. It has to be corrected. And so it's, the, it's those things that when they're in place, we feel the sense of peace. And when they're not in place, we feel that something's terribly wrong and it needs to be corrected. Okay, so identify my values first. Let's run with beauty because that's one for me, right? I, everything I create, I believe, has to be done so that it represents me and I appreciate, quote unquote, beautiful things, right? Using that word broadly. Now, how does that tie into you helping me discover my genius based on that value, or am I am I following you here correctly? Yeah, so that gives me some background information about you and what's important to you. That helps me work with you and 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 coach you through the rest of the process. Okay. So then, so then I'd find out things from you, such as what are some things that you have always been good at. Tell me about things that when you were a little kid you did them naturally and you're still doing them to this day. So I'm looking for themes. I'm looking for patterns. Um, I'm looking for, you know, I, I give some examples. I, I give choices people can choose from. You know, if you've always been creative, right brain, if you've always been left brain or analytical, are you great with language, great with numbers, are you great athletically? You know, just, I just want to know a person's natural strengths. Um, so I'm, I'm collecting this information. And then I ask, uh, okay, now tell me a little bit about 
you know, what are some of the things you've, skills that you've learned in life? Tell me about your education, certification, training, credentials. Tell me about your job experience and your work experience because that's going to show me um, skill sets that people have and I find out which ones they really, really um, uh, thrive in and, and which ones they don't. And then I start asking about life-defining moments, the ups and the downs. Tell me about um, something that happened in your life that really was a, a, a life-defining moment and, and give me a positive and give me the ones that weren't so great. And what's interesting is that you know, people might share, you know, the birth of my child and how you realized you, you didn't have, you never knew you had the ability to love so much. You never knew you had the ability to stay up all night, you know, with a crying baby. Or when somebody passes away, um, you know, learning about, um, you know, just there's a certain wisdom that you gain when you're around somebody at the end of their life. You put things into perspective. You develop, you realize you have more compassion than you ever thought. So I'm pulling from all these different um, places and finding out that, you know, with the life-defining experience, what happens is that a lot of these are strengths that they're in us, but they've been dormant. And it takes these life-defining experiences to wake them up. And, and that's really important as we establish ourselves as leaders and understanding, like, you know, this is my story. These are my strengths. This is what I bring to the table. So it's, a, it's, it's just like this, this, this collage of techniques that I'm pulling from, but the end result is really being able to reflect back to a person, look at you, look at who you are and what you stand for and why that's important. Do you see that in yourself? And if we've done the work thoroughly, the answer is always, yes, I see myself. And that's where we start to, I, I, that's the insurance policy against the, the fear of rejection and that fraud feeling and um, all of those things that could take that person back. So it's real fortifying. And then for entrepreneurs, that leads then to finding the right type of business, the right fit, or if we already have a business, focusing, delegating so that we put ourselves in that genius zone more often than not, right? It goes into that department. It goes into creating a message for yourself, for your business. It goes into how you're going to position yourself, um, you know, positioning yourself as an expert or, or creating content and putting it out into the world. It, it's your identity. And when you're solid in your identity, you can stand up with confidence and clarity like, like you haven't had before. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, you've had the perspective and the experience of being a teacher and seeing this whole thing early in life. Of course, the challenge is that when we're young, we're developing and evolving our values, I might argue. And so it's hard to identify those things. And, and certainly we, I don't, I'm not a believer in creating an environment where at age 12 or even high school age, you're supposed to determine your future. But why do we do such a poor job of that, at least in our society and in our education system, on even teaching people how to ask these questions? Oh, man, I, I would love to go and, and change. I, I, was, I was on that path of wanting to, to really, you know, change things in education, and I just I made different decisions for myself. But there's a really great TED Talk. It's one of the most widely listened to TED Talks by Sir Ken Robinson. 
and it's called, um, I think the title of it is How Our Schools Are Killing Creativity. Mm, and, I think, and it's I think exact, I've seen that one, yeah. It's, it's inspiring. It's very inspiring. And, um, you know, it, it's very hard because education has become such a bureaucratic um, thing. And, you know, it's, kids, are, kids are unique. Every second grader is not the same. And, and they, they, they aren't all going to be on page 25 of the workbook on, you know, October 10th. It, it's, it varies. And um, when my daughter was in elementary school, I put her in a public school that had a special program that was a, a developmental focus where kindergarten, first, second, and third graders were all in the same room together for four years and by the end of third grade you would know all of the things that you needed to know at the end of third grade what was great about it is between kindergarten and third grade you could do it at your pace and what worked for you and we did a lot of work with the children around emotional intelligence and um, uh, setting goals and personal responsibility and when um, she went to another school and went into more traditional classroom her teachers were so impressed with the um, with her her study habits and just her her personal responsibility so there's a lot that we could be doing um, in our schools with kids it's just it's just it's such an unwieldy monster. You and know? I think what it says is that we, we have to take responsibility for some of that at home with our children, right? To help them develop and ask those questions at home. Yeah, like one of my driving values is, um, besides creativity, is, is curiosity. I think it's very important to be a lifelong learner and to constantly seek something out and to, to live an engaged life. So, so yes, um, you know, asking questions and having great conversations and, and learning the language of feelings, the uh, language of emotional intelligence. I sure didn't learn that when I was a kid. I, I had to learn that when I got older. And I was just talking to my daughter the other day. I said, you know, you are so lucky. You can identify feelings in a way like we weren't allowed to. It was, right. you know, go, go to your room and be quiet. So there's, there's a lot. I, I do think that there, is, there are improvements. Movements, um, but you, I agree with you. Definitely, conversation is, at home is a big piece of it. Yeah, great. All right, so bringing it back to business, the other thing you talk a lot about, and I think we chatted before we started recording, was about becoming a recognized expert and how this tapping into your talents and genius helps you with that. Chat with us about that, if you would. Yes, um, a lot of my clients have. Um, come to me to help them position themselves as as experts and and not necessarily you know the person who's on Oprah or or you know on the big thing it's it's and and it's it's being the right fish for the right pond you know or the big fish in the little pond whatever the 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 right you know you you have an audience that is looking for information looking for answers and and we as consumers are always looking for someone who we can develop that know like and trust factor with and as entrepreneurs, we want to create um, a loyalty between ourselves and our client base. So positioning yourself as an expert is really having that, that clear identity of who you are, what you're all about, why that's important, who you serve, and then being able to communicate that in a clear way with a good message, message that, that you know, definitely reaches people. On an, in an authentic way, and then creating a body of work, whether it's um, like this podcast or uh, YouTube videos or social media posts or blogs or articles, something, some type of evidence that shows that 
you have great advice to give and people should listen to you. And so it's that um, development of the know, like, and trust factor. And it really makes marketing easier because, um, you know, I think it's interesting, especially since the advent of smartphones, we just are marketed to so much all day long. And it can get pretty exhausting. So if we can find somebody who we really trust, it helps us turn the noise down on all that other stuff and just go to that source. You know, find your your own personal Google and, and let that person, um, you know, it's like people who follow your podcast. You know, we become fans of somebody because we trust their advice and, um, and we gain something from listening to experts. So I want to make sure I'm following completely though, Nancy. So doing that though, I'm trying to understand clearly how it ties back to the talent and genius. So oh, if I'm talent. working within my genius then, so let's say it's the podcast and it's on this topic of helping others with business, I've got innate abilities there and talents that I've developed over time. For example, I might develop my talent for whatever it is to become a better podcaster. And that combining those two then, and of course with a strategy to become a recognized expert, that's how we tie all this together. Am I on the right path? Yeah, it's, that's a part of it. That's the what you do. And then the other part of it is who you are as you're doing it. So the other piece of the talent and genius is that it really helps to give you an understanding of the value that you bring to the market, you as an individual. Um, not just that you're a podcaster, but you're a podcaster with these sets of um, this innate skill, with this personality trait, with this level of intelligence and empathy and compassion. There's a big, um, it, it's bigger than just what you do. So with the, with the expert positioning, it's, when you position yourself as an expert, it's who you are and what you know. And so that who part, that's where I really, I, I guess I'm referring to that quite a bit because that's the part that we can, we can easily skip over. The what we do is, is, yes, that's part of the talent and genius, but that who we are when we're doing it, that's when we put those together. And in the expert positioning, if you are an expert who has a clear, unique message that's based on your talent and genius, where you're able to really communicate your uniqueness, your special uh, gifts, in a clear and concise way, that gets more attention than if you're just a generic person. Yeah, or pretending it, to be something I'm not. Yeah, Genu does that, does that it, I'm genuinely not. Right. Is that more clear for you? Yeah, Henry? it is. It is. Okay, great. And it, is this related then to this getting to this level that you call deep genius? Explain that to us. <laughs> deep, deep genius is when you know you're really understanding yourself on a deep level. You're really understanding the the real skills, and we have different layers of skills that we will um, claim. So there's the obvious ones. It's, you know, some people, well, I'm good at math, I'm a great bookkeeper, I'm a great accountant, I'm a great strategist, um, you know, I make great websites. That's that's on the, the, the surface level. And then you just keep taking it deeper and deeper. Well, what else? What else? And you, you really start to find more of those people skills or some people they're very intuitive and they can't really explain how they get their great ideas and then finally one day they say okay I'm very intuitive I'm willing to say that out loud so it's just taking it on the deeper level and constantly asking yourself what else is inside of me that's trying to come out what's the next expression that wants to create you know, to come from me in um 
in expressing who I am and what I'm great at. Okay, I got it. Great stuff. All right, let me uh, take a shift here and take it a little bit more personal. The thing I'm always looking for in these conversations is trying to get some insights into how you believe or what you believe has been key in your success in life and in business. I want to read an, another quote uh, from you I found online. Quote, to me, a good life is a varied life. Remaining curious and open is how I stay on my leading edge, end quote. And so you touched on that concept of curiosity, that intellectual curiosity that you've always had. That definitely has been a key to your success in life and in business, seeking that variety. Uh, those have been things. What, what else? And do you agree that those are some of the key things? Yeah, that, that sums it up. You know, I really, I really feel that we're curious and open to, to learn new things. I also think it's really, really important to understand other people on a deep, compassionate level. I have been immersing myself in the past year on the study of compassion and empathy. I just finished a class that was called the Science of Happiness that um, the Greater Good Science Center does through UC Berkeley. And it's fascinating to see the science behind compassion and empathy. But we need to really have an understanding right now more than ever our country our society we need to listen to others you know everybody wants to to talk first and get their point out and i i go back to the prayer of saint francis that says seek first to understand before being understood and i think that is part of the curiosity is to stay curious by asking a question and then sitting back and learning, learning about people, learning where they're coming from. I'm learning new things about um, the, the people who come to me who want to hire me. I'm, I'm listening on a deeper level to the real, you know, and I think in marketing we say, what are their pain points? And we come up with these little like, you know, basic pain points really on a deep, deep level, what's the real pain point of your, of your perfect client? Um, what's really happening with people? So that, to me, I feel are the things that add to success in business and in life. Compassion, empathy, curiosity, and the willingness to listen. Yeah, great stuff. And that that value of compassion and empathy obviously was instilled in you and modeled by your father and the rest of your family back in the flea market days and earlier, I suppose. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Curiosity, were you always a curious person even in early life? Yeah, I mean, I used to get in so much trouble. I would just ask the questions that, that they couldn't answer because I, I was young, I'd ask these like philosophical what if questions that you know children can ask very innocently and um, you know, that's always been like, well, what else? What else is out there? What else, are, you know, what, whether it was trying to explore new music or, you know, clothes or books or anything, it, it's, to me, it's just, or, or food. I love to explore, you know, just hole-in-the-wall places to eat from cuisines that uh, most people haven't heard of or tried. And there's something about being in that place of, of a learner and, it, it's always fascinating to me 
to find people who aren't attracted to learning. Uh, they don't want to learn anything new. They don't want to try anything new. And I say, well, how are you going to grow? How are you going to get new ideas? We, we grow and we learn by sharing ideas. And, and so that's a, big, that's a big part of my life. Nancy, what do you love most about what you do today? In my work? Life or work? <laughs> what I like most about what I'm doing today is I know that my work is making a difference in the world because I work with people who are, who are helping others. They're agents of change. And so I'm helping people who have a lot of the, the ripple effect is really big. And that makes me really happy. I... I'm I'm so comfortable in my own skin with each birthday that passes. I get more and more comfortable with myself and and really with what I bring to the table as a value, and and I'm able to value myself more than I did five years ago, ten years ago, three years ago, and and that's that makes me look forward to um, to next year because I know I'm going to be um, smarter and and more grounded in myself as well. Yeah, that's great. All right, would you give us the brief uh, elevator pitch on the services that you offer your clients? Yes, um, I teach entrepreneurs and leaders how to build a strong personal brand that's built on their unique combination of talent and genius. And then we take that personal brand, communicate it in the most powerful way and authentic way possible, and then use it to position you as an expert so that you can get more clients, build your business, and get more recognition for what you do. And how do you, do you do it one-on-one, -on -one, groups, both? How do you deliver it? I do a combination. I have some free resources on my website. People can download and walk themselves through some questions and a process. I work with um, a select number of people one-on-one, -on -one, um, and I also work with some small groups. I have people who work with me in small groups for eight weeks. I have people who work with me in small groups for a year. It just depends on the level that they want to take it. And so when I'm working with somebody, it's really covering those three areas of clarity about who you are, that, that personal brand identity piece, um, clarity on the communication of it, which is around the messaging, and then clarity on how to position it and build a platform out there. And so, um, yeah, that can keep us pretty busy, whether it's for eight weeks or whether it's for 12 months. Great, great. Okay, so let's talk about books or other resources. You've already given me a couple. Writing the Damn Book, we'll have that on the links. And then the TED Talk by Sir Ken Robinson, I believe his name is. I'll look up the link and have that on the show notes page as well. Is there another book that comes to mind that you would recommend to our listeners? Oh my gosh, I have so many books. <laughs> I'm like a bookaholic and I love paper books. You know, I still, so I'm not. I'm not a Kindle person quite yet. I'm trying to be, but um, one there's one book that I always recommend, and it's called *The Big Leap* by Gay Hendricks. Are you familiar with that? I am not. *The Big Leap*. No, I have not read that. Oh my gosh, it's so wonderful. It's about mindset for the most part, and um, he identifies what we call our upper limit problem, and that's that. It's that place where you say, "No, that's as far as I can go." You know, I I don't know anymore. I can't do anymore past that, and it's really about breaking through that. It's a uh, it's a book about how to find freedom and and the courage to be free, and I think that's so important for entrepreneurs because we're always needing to push ourselves. We, we need to really do, I mean, pers personal development 
is like a daily vitamin for entrepreneurs. We have got to work on our businesses and we've got to work on ourselves because we're it, you know, we, we, we are, we, it's our business is us. And so when we're feeling positive and clear, our businesses are running in a positive, clear way. Yeah, great stuff. Great recommendations. We'll have a link to all of those. And then eventually when your book comes out, we'll have a link to that as well on the show notes page for this episode. All right, we'll wrap it up with a couple last questions. Parting piece of advice, thought, or anything I didn't ask you about that uh, we should have chatted about? Oh, my gosh. We have covered quite a bit of ground. I have a really big orange cat, and I think that's <laughs> just something. I, I, have a, um, I have a Facebook group that I started recently, and it's called Experts Leading the Way, if anybody wants to find it. I don't have a URL for it, but if you go on Facebook and look up Experts Leading the Way, um, I'm really pleased with how this group is turning out. I don't add people without their permission. Um, you do definitely need to be somebody who wants to establish yourself as an expert or you have been establishing yourself as an expert. And we're able to share, um, you know, finding, expanding our businesses, sharing resources. Um, there's a book recommendation every Tuesday and it's it's always a popular post um but i'd love to invite people to come check that out i think that would be a that would be a good tip because we can continue the conversation there yeah we'll have a link to that i'll find it and have a link to that in the show notes page as well great thank you where would you like our visitors or listeners i should say to go visit you online and find out more about you and the business my main website is talentandgenius.com and when you're at talentgenius.com, there is a free ebook that I give away. Uh, it's called The Genius Finder. As of this recording, it might change um, to another one uh, in a few months, but at the moment, it's The Genius Finder. There's a link to my podcast, there's a link to learning about coaching with me, there's a link to blogs. I mean, there's a lot of good information there. And then again, on um, I'll we'll get that Facebook information if people want to join experts leading the way. That's also the nice community I've created of other people who want to position themselves as experts or who are positioning themselves as experts and want to stay connected with the community of resources and tips and opportunities. Fantastic. And again, we'll have links to all of that on the show notes page. Nancy, this has been a delightful conversation. A lot of insights, a lot of tips and advice. I learned quite a bit. I'm sure our listeners have as well. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today and sharing your knowledge. Thank you for inviting me, Henry. Folks, this is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you join us on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.